continuing the series on gifts in the church and in this particular series we're dealing with the spiritual gifts. Uh, for we've identified three different categories of gifts listed for us in scripture. That is the ministry gifts, uh, the functional gifts and the spiritual gifts as listed for us in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, in this particular series we're looking at uh, the revelation gifts. For within the spiritual gifts there are nine spiritual gifts listed and we said that we can divide those spiritual gifts into three separate categories. Um, and the reason we can do that is because each of those categories, those particular spiritual gifts, do something similar. And with regards to the revelation gifts, the, the uh, spiritual gifts that fall into that particular category is the gift of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And um, we have dealt thus far in the series with the gift of the well, word of wisdom and we've dealt with the gift of the word of knowledge and uh, in today's teaching we want to deal with uh, the gift of discerning of spirits. But uh, we want to just, um, just recap a little bit about the gift of the word of knowledge that we spoke about in the previous teaching and um, the text verse that we use for this uh, section of teaching is in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 8, Scripture says, For to one is given the word of wisdom to, through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And... Um, so we said that uh, the, the revelation gifts out of that, because that, that is a list of nine spiritual gifts there, and the revelation gifts out of those nine is the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So when we had a look at the gift of the word of knowledge, we wanted to understand what is the purpose of the gift? Why does God um, impart supernaturally parts of his knowledge to the individual through that particular gift? And we saw that uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 25 kind of gives us a, a broad outline as to why God actually displays this particular gift in the church. Scripture says, But if all prophesy and, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convicted by, convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God, and report that God is truly among you. And so we said that this this particular gift, the gift of the word of knowledge, um, the primary reason that God displays this gift is so that the individual can recognize that they're having an encounter with God and that they can in fact turn to God. Now if they're unbelievers, it's a case of turning to God to be saved. And if they're believers, it's a case of turning to God in um, having a greater degree of fellowship with the Lord and, and wanting to enter into a, a greater degree of um, having a, an encounter with God, basically. And you recall when our Lord, when he was on the road to um, Galilee, he stopped off at the town uh, of Sychar, and he displayed the gift of the word of knowledge to that woman at the, uh, the woman at the well. And when he did that, she recognized that she was having now an encounter with the prophet of the Lord, and she actually became a believer, and so did many in that town. And so that is really the purpose of the gift of the word of knowledge when it's displayed. God always does it in order to bring people into a closer fellowship with His Son. 
and obviously with himself. Um, it's never displayed so that, you know, people can say, gee, that's a, a God's really used of God and what a powerful gift that is. Um, not at all. It never, the gifts are never uh, given to the individual to draw t attraction to the individual. The gifts are given to the individual to draw attraction to Christ. That's what the gifts are for. The Holy Spirit's um, whole agenda when he displays and manifests his gifts is so that the individual to whom that gift is being displayed will um, come into a closer relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is the purpose of all of the gifts, basically. And we have a look at a couple of uh, examples in Scripture um, with regards to this particular gift. Um, and uh, we looked at uh, the, the account that, was, that took place with regards to Ananias and Sapphira. And that was in Acts chapter 5, beginning at verse 1 through to 11. I'm not going to read the account, but the, the gist of it is, is that Ananias and Sapphira um, had consulted together. They had sold property and they were going to now keep part of the proceeds for themselves and hand in the rest to the church. But in doing so, they were going to proclaim to the church that they were giving over the full proceeds to the church. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit knew that they were lying. He made that information available to his apostle, Peter. And Peter then um, obviously spoke it out in front of the whole church. And judgment uh, fell on those two individuals. And both of them died. They went to heaven, but they both died. Um, and so, again, that is just a very um, powerful illustration to us as to the outcome when this gift is used. Now, we don't see that in the church today. Um, but I think the Lord will get us back to that place where he will restore that degree of authority in his ministry gifts. And we will start seeing judgment taking place in the church again. And because look at the outcome of that. Um, when that happened, the Bible teaches us that the whole church began to fear the Lord. And it was a reverential fear that they had for the Lord because they realized uh, this is not to be played around with. Um, God is holy and we should treat him as such. And uh, so there again, that gift was used to bring the body of Christ into a closer and a deeper fellowship and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is primarily what the gift of the word of knowledge is used for. We looked at other accounts, but uh, we're not going to go through any more uh, in, in the teaching today, because today we want to now concentrate on the, the last of the revelation gifts, and that is the gift called the gift of discerning of spirits. Um, that is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10 the scripture says and to another discerning of spirits now again <laughs> all of the spiritual gifts get misquoted I do not know why well I suppose that we, we can put it down to the fact that uh, Satan would try and, and uh, get the church to get the things confused so that if he can get that right well then the people can't operate in the gift and so as we saw the gift of the word of wisdom is very often quoted in the church as the gift of wisdom and that's not what it is and we saw that the gift of the word of knowledge is very often quoted in the church as the gift of knowledge and that's not what it is and so it is that when we come to this particular gift the gift of discerning of spirits um, that this gift is quoted very often in the church as the gift of discernment. Now again, there is no such gift in the Bible. 
Uh, we should, each one of us as believers, have uh, spiritual discernment in that in our own spirits um, we should be able to discern when things are not kosher. And uh, we, you know, when a person is pre preaching and it's not the, the word of the Lord, that anointing that is within us, which is the Holy Spirit, witnesses with our spirits that that is not of God. Or can be the other way around. Obviously, when we hear the word of God preached and it is from God, well, then the Holy Spirit within us witnesses within our spirits. Yes, this is legit. This is from God. And so that's spiritual discernment. But there is no spiritual gift of discernment. And so you get people that go around saying, I've got the gift of discernment. And I, invariably, those people are discerning all sorts of weird things. And they, it's, most times they're discerning, oh, that person's got a demon and that person's influenced by a, a, a demon. And it's always the negative stuff. Um, so anyways, there is no such gift in the Bible called the gift of discernment. The gift is called the discerning of spirits. So what, just what is the gift then of discerning of spirits? Because we need to understand this gift because uh, it is not a gift that is very uh, well understood in the church. The, one of the primary reasons for that is because it's not a gift that is manifested very often in the church. But in order for us to understand this particular gift, we need to go have a look at the, uh, at the prophet's ministry and specifically the prophet under the Old Covenant because that just helps us to have a bit of insight into what this particular gift is, the gift of discerning of spirits. And the scripture we can look at is 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. Uh, the scripture says, Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer. For he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. And so, um, the reason that prophets under the Old Covenant were called seers is because the Holy Spirit enabled them <coughs> <excuse me, coughs> enabled them to see into the realm of spirits. And that is um, what the gift of discerning of spirits is all about. So the prophet would see into the realm of spirits. The Holy Spirit would allow the prophet to see into the realm of, of the spirit through visions and through dreams. Those are the two mechanisms that the Holy Spirit used in order for uh, him to allow his prophet to see into the spirit realm. And so that is really what the, the gift of discerning of spirits is all about. It is the ability given to the individual by the Holy Spirit to see into the realm of the spirit. And that's what the gift is all about. Um, now, under the Old Covenant, uh, a number of the prophets uh, operated in this particular gift, but not all of them did. Uh, all prophets operated in the gift of prophecy, and a number of them operated in the gift of, well, in fact, all of them operated in the gift of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, because that was their primary function in, in the area of spiritual gifts. Their primary function was to preach and teach the, the, the Word of God. But in operation of spiritual gifts, um, people had to go to the prophet to get guidance from the Lord. And so the Word of Wisdom was always being made manifest through the prophet's ministry and the Word of Knowledge. Those two uh, giftings formed um, prophecy, Word of Wisdom, Word of Knowledge, were the three giftings, basically, that formed the prophet's ministry, um, the spiritual gifts that were attached to that ministry gift. 
But there were prophets under the Old Covenant who also had this particular gift, the gift of discerning of spirits, operating through their ministries as well. And um, they were allowed to see into the realm of the Spirit as, as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. But not all prophets operated in this gift. Ezekiel was a prophet who operated in this gift. Daniel was a prophet who operated in this gift. There, there were a number of prophets that uh, God did use in this particular gift, but not all prophets, all, all, all covenant prophets operated in this gift. All, all covenant prophets operated in the gift of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge because that, they had to, because they, they had to fulfill that function. Uh, and we dealt with it pretty much in the ministry gifts, the difference between the prophet under the new covenant and the prophet under the old. Um, so I'm not going to get into that in any kind of depth. And so with regards to all of the gifts, um, what you find is that there are different, different levels of anointing in that particular gift. In that one, two, two individuals can have the same gift of prophecy, but one is more anointed by the Lord for that particular gift and is able to deliver um, prophetic utterances that are far more deeper and far more profound than the other because of the different levels of anointing in that particular gift. Now that works exactly the same with regards to this gift, the gift of discerning of spirits. Um, there are differing levels of anointing that operate with this particular gift. Now, in the different levels, what we then find is that there are different levels of visions given to the individual. Because as we said under the Old Covenant, God used the mechanism of visions and dreams to allow the prophet who had this particular gift to be able to see into the realm of the Spirit. And under the New Covenant, it hasn't changed. It stays exactly the same. God uses the mechanism of visions and dreams to allow one who has this particular gift, the gift of discerning of spirits, to be able to see into the realm of the spirit. And so we have different levels of operation in this gift, different levels of anointing, which allows the individual to, to be able to see into the realm of the spirit. And the first level for this gift is what we call a spiritual vision. Now, at this level, and this is the lowest level uh, that this particular gift operates out, and we're going to go through the levels and we'll progressively get up to the highest level. But the lowest level is what we would call a spiritual vision. Now, what happens when one receives a spiritual vision from the Lord is they are allowed by the Lord to see into the realm of the Spirit with the eyes of their spirit. Um, it's so they don't see into the realm of the Spirit with their physical eyes. They see into the realm of the Spirit with their spiritual eyes. And God allows them to see with their spiritual eyes. Now, dreams fall into this category as well. So a dream is, like, is, is at, at the same level as a spiritual vision. Which, as I said, is the lowest level that this particular gift operates at. Um, the difference between uh, a dream and a spiritual vision is that when one receives a dream from the Lord, um, they are physically asleep. Their eyes are closed, um, and, but they are physically asleep, and God allows them to see into the spirit realm with their spiritual eyes, because our spirits never sleep. Uh, and so God opens their spiritual eyes, and they can see into the realm of the spirit. When one encounters a spiritual vision... 
that is now taking place during the day they're awake um, but what happens is is that their physical eyes are also shut just like when a person is sleeping and the physical eyes are shut and they dream and God allows them to see into the realm of the spirit when a spiritual vision is, is a, a given to the individual their physical eyes are shut and God allows them to see into the spirit realm with their spiritual eyes and so that is um, the lowest level of vision that God gives to individuals who have this particular gift. And as I said, uh, dreams and spiritual visions are on the same level. The next level of vision that we encounter with regards to this particular gift is the, um, the level of a trance. And so what happens when an individual uh, falls into a trance is that their physical senses are suspended. So um, now when God gives an individual a trance, he never does it when they're driving their vehicles because the physical senses are suspended. And so you know, God doesn't want to have uh, vehicle accidents taking place. So invariably what you find is that this particular level of um, discerning of spirits that is manifested through the individual will occur when the individual is praying for example so they're in their closet and they're praying and then they will fall into a trance it doesn't have to be in, in that environment but a similar type environment because as I said, when, when one falls into a trance uh, their the physical senses are suspended they don't realize they have a physical body anymore because what happens is God now allows them to see with their eyes open into the realm of the spirit but they are still seeing with their spiritual eyes they're not seeing with their physical eyes and they they seen you know it, it, it's it, they've seen uh, things in the spirit but their physical senses are suspended um, and then the the third which uh, which is the highest uh, level or category of vision that is, allowed, that is given to the individual who has this gift of discerning of spirits is what we commonly refer to as an open vision. Now an open vision is when God brings the spirit realm into the natural realm and the person is able to interact with the spirit realm as if they were interacting with somebody who was standing in front of them. So for argument's sake, God would allow an angel to appear to them. And so they would converse with the angel as if the angel was standing in the room right in front of them, like anybody, and then the angel would disappear. But for that period of time that they were uh, seeing the angel and conversing with the angel, that is what we would classify as an open vision. Because the person is, you know, all their senses are intact in the natural, and the in front of them is now a spirit being, and uh, they're able to interact with a particular spirit being. Um, and so that's the different levels of um, vision that the Lord... Now, there is another aspect to an open vision. So just as the Lord brings the spirit realm into the natural realm for the person, what the Lord also does do in this type of vision is the Lord takes the person from the natural realm into the spirit realm. So they're walking along or doing whatever they're doing, and instantly they are now in the spirit realm. And so the natural realm disappears and they're in the spirit realm and they are seen and interacting with the spirit realm with their full um, physical senses intact. So that, that is another way that God uses this particular um, manifestation. But now all of this is only manifested as the spirit worlds. 
So nobody can go around seeking visions and dreams from the Lord. Um, you can, um, but what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's not going to accommodate you, but uh, Satan certainly will. Uh, for Satan is able to do this kind of stuff. And so it is a, a very dangerous thing for uh, saints to seek after visions and dreams from God because God does not um, promise in His Word that He will give us visions and dreams um, that at, at our request. That's not how God operates. Uh, and so for the saint to start requesting visions and dreams from the Lord, well, they're going to open themselves up to some weird things happening. So, uh, supernatural stuff, definitely, but it'll be the wrong spirit. And so we, all of the, the gifts of the spirit only man, may manifest as the spirit wills. And we said right at the outset of the, of the, the teaching on the spiritual gifts, how to operate in them, it, it's up to the individual who has the gift to make themselves available to the Holy Spirit to be used by him when and so when he chooses and how he chooses. And that's our part that we play in operating in the gift. But it's not a case of, well, I'm going to have a vision now, so you know, I'll now interact with an angel. And it doesn't happen like that. God is the one who decides when these things take place. And so, you know, um, God uses uh, dreams, which is the first level uh, of um, this type of a gift of discerning of spirits being made manifest. Um, even amongst unbelievers, God uses dreams in order to communicate His will to them. So one who has an occasional dream from God, now talking about occasional, um, cannot say, well, now I've got the gift of discerning of spirits, because God even allows unbelievers to have a dream from Him, which gives them guidance from time to time. It does happen. Let's have a look at a couple of cases in Scripture. Genesis 20, verse 3. Um, scripture says, But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. And so here Abimelech had uh, taken Sarah and he was considering marrying her because Abraham had been a little bit deceitful and had told Abimelech that Sarah was his sister, which was technically true, but it wasn't correct. And so God appears to Abimelech in a dream. He said, you're a dead man uh, because you've taken um, an, another man's wife. And obviously, if you go read the account, Abimelech says, wait a minute, I didn't even know this. And so God said, yeah, I know you didn't. So I, that's why I prevented you from taking her. But you need to restore her to Abraham and uh, I'll bless you. And so that's kind of the gist of, of that conversation. But the Lord also said, if you don't, then I'm going to uh, judge you. And so Abimelech obviously repented and gave Sarah back to Abraham with a bit of a rebuke uh, on Abraham's part because of the way that Abraham had deceived him. But the point that I really want to bring across here is God appealed to Abimelech in a dream and gave him instruction as to what he wanted him to do. And Abimelech was not... Um, well, he was a believer, uh, you, you, because you know, I'm not going to get into any kind of depth on that one. But God appears to somebody who's a Gentile and uh, gives him guidance through a dream. Another account we can look at in the new, under the New Testament, Matthew 27, 19. Uh, the scripture says, While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. So this is Pontius Pilate and his wife. 
and Pontius Pilate is busy judging our Lord. And while this is going on, she had obviously, I don't know, um, she'd been sleeping and she had this dream and she suffers a lot of things in her dream pertaining to our Lord. And so she sends a message to her husband, you know, you need to stay away from this issue because of, of what I suffered in a dream. So again, he has an unbeliever, a Gentile, God deals with her in a dream. So it, you know, just because, as I say, one receives a dream from the Lord, um, we must not then say, okay, well, now I've got the gift of discerning of spirits, because from time to time, God does communicate, even with unbelievers, as well as with his saints, through dreams. But it's very, as I say, it's a very seldom occasion, maybe a once-off occasion in their lives, uh, that God gets involved in the individual's dream. But there are those who do have the gift of discerning of spirits. And when the individual has that particular gift, they will, if they operate at this level, the gift, the lowest level, which is uh, dreams and spiritual visions, they will have um, more frequent dreams than others. Um, so they will, the Lord will impart more, more dreams and allow them to see uh, more spiritual visions that, than is the norm. Which, when I say the norm, the norm is maybe one, one in a, once in a lifetime. But one who has this gift will, on a more frequent basis, receive dreams from the Lord. Now, again, the way that this gift operates, uh, specifically under the New Covenant, um, it operates in the same manner as the gift of the Word of Wisdom, the Word of Knowledge, in that it's not a complicated gift. And we, we, saw, we saw scriptural accounts and the gift of the Word of Wisdom and the gift of the Word of Knowledge, that under the New Covenant, when God imparts those words to the saint, very easy to understand. You don't need to go consult a book to understand what God is saying. You don't need to consult with somebody else to find out what God is actually meaning about the Word. You'll understand it very clear because it's a very clear direction. In the same manner, the dreams given to us by the Lord, if uh, under this uh, gift of discerning of spirit, um, are very simple and very clear to understand. It's not a case of you need to now go and purchase a book to find out um, what this dream really is. Because people come up with some really fantastic. Look, you must understand, <laughs> the mind is very active, and so. Part of the way God has wired us is that when we sleep at night, our minds do all sorts of weird things to process uh, stuff during the day. Um, that's how God has designed us. And so, you know, people do have very vivid dreams and very um, uh, weird dreams. And so you, you, a lot of people you know, uh, try and interpret their dreams. And uh, as we'll see through Scripture here, it's just like the gift of the Word of Wisdom, Word of Knowledge. Under the New Covenant, <coughs> things are plain. <coughs> God does not get complicated. He doesn't get into all sorts of uh, weird pa patterns and, and types and shadows and things like that. And also, God has not placed into His church um, Joseph's. So what does that mean? Well, you recall that Joseph was used of the Lord to interpret dreams. And do you think, you think about the butler and the baker and, Joseph and uh, Pharaoh? They all had dreams from God. And Joseph was able to interpret their dreams for them. But in the, under the New Covenant, in the church, God does not have Joseph's. So there is not a, a gift in the church called the interpretation of dreams. And so there's no one that you, God places into his church 
Well, if you have a dream, you can go to that person and you give it to the person and the person says, okay, this is what the dream meant. Um, there's nothing like that in Scripture. God doesn't deal like that. Uh, that's pretty much um, the wrong stuff. So don't go down that road. There's nothing like that in, in the church. The kind of dreams that we get from the Lord is uh, the following dream. Matthew chapter 2, two verse 13. Scripture says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And so, you know, there's a very simple dream given to Joseph. He didn't have to try and analyze what was the angel actually saying to me. The angels gave him a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. Uh, the word of wisdom was that he had to leave um, Israel and they had to flee to Egypt and stay there until the, agent, uh, until the angel brought him word that he could come back into Israel. That was the word of wisdom. The word of knowledge was, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And so, you know, pretty simple. Joseph, when he woke up in the morning, said to Mary, Look, this is the dream I had. The angel appeared to me, and this is the instruction. They knew what to do, and they went out, and they went down to Egypt. So it wasn't complicated, not at all. Um, now, under this current dispensation that we live in, um, which is the church dispensation, we will experience uh, dreams, visions, and prophecies. That's... Uh, what was prophesied under the old covenant to partake to take place under the new covenant and let's have a look at the scripture Acts chapter 2 verse 17 the scripture says and it shall come to pass in the last days says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh that's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams. And so, um, God is saying in this passage of Scripture that visions and dreams are in the same category, basically. Just a different age group. Um, might have something to do with what the physical body can take, I don't know, but that's how God decides. That the older guys get to have the dreams and the younger guys get to have the visions. Um, but nevertheless, that's what this church age should be experiencing for those who have this particular gift. Now, um, the book of Acts, so in that passage of Scripture, that is the only time that the word dreams are mentioned. We never see the word dreams mentioned again. Um, and yet God said that in the church age, well, he doesn't say the church age, he talks, age, he talks about the last days, and he's talking about the current age that we're living in, which is the church age. And God says that you guys are going to you guys are going to prophesy, you guys are going to see visions, and you guys are going to have dreams. Now, in the new covenant, in the book of Acts um, and the 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 uh, epistles, we see prophecies taking place, and we see visions taking place, but we never see dreams taking place. Well, when I say we never see dreams, that's not true. We actually do see dreams taking place, but dreams are never mentioned. They're only mentioned in uh, this passage of Scripture, Acts 2.17. But, uh, you know, we should be experiencing dreams because it falls into the same category. So, why don't we see dreams mentioned in Scripture? 
Well, we do, we just don't pick it up from, from the word dreams. Because the way that uh, the book of Acts describes dreams to us, uh, in the, well, in the book of Acts, is the book of Acts calls them visions in the night. And so wherever in the, the scripture and in the New Covenant talks about a vision in the night, that is a dream. Now the reason that the Holy Spirit calls it a vision in the night and not a dream is because he's wanting us to understand that a dream from the Lord is equal to a vision. It's the same thing. Um, it's the lowest form of vision, but nevertheless it's equal to a vision. And that's why the Holy Spirit, when he refers to uh, dreams in the book of Acts, he calls them visions in the night. And uh, a couple of accounts we can look at is in Paul's ministry, Acts 16, verse 9 and 10. The scripture says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so, clearly Paul has a dream. But the Holy Spirit gets Luke to record it as a vision in the night. Now, you know, it is only ever recorded in Scripture that a person has a vision in the night. When a person has a vision in the day, you never see that in Scripture. The Bible doesn't say, and Paul had a vision in the day. Um, but when Paul has a vision in the night, the Holy Spirit puts it in there. Now, the reason he does that is because he's differentiating between visions, which are seen in the day, and dreams which are seen at night. But he, again, he's, he's wanting us to understand that a dream from the Lord is at the, on the same level as a vision from the Lord, just uh, one is physically sleeping at the time. I trust you understand that. Here's another uh, vision in the night that Paul had, Acts 18, verse 9 and 10. The scripture says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Same terminology, just slightly different. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one, no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And so there we see clearly Paul has two dreams. Uh, the one dream, the guy in Macedonia appears to him and speaks to him, and the other dream, the Lord appears to him in his dream and speaks to him. Uh, but nevertheless, there are dreams that Paul has, but the Holy Spirit calls them visions in the night. And so, again, it's just for us to understand that a vision and a dream, a dream is, it can, it should be equated to a vision in, under the New Covenant. Now, in both um, dreams that Paul had, uh, in the, the one dream, the, the Paul gets a word of wisdom. The guy from Macedonia says, come over and help us. So that's God's instruction to Paul to go and help um, in Macedonia, go preach the gospel there. And then in, when our Lord appears to Paul, in, when he was actually in Corinth at the time, our Lord gives Paul uh, both a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. The word of wisdom our Lord gives to him is, do not be afraid but speak, and do not keep silent, uh, for I'm with you. And then in the word of knowledge, and no one will attack you to hurt you for our many people in this city. So the instruction given to Paul is that he was to preach the gospel. He must not uh, keep silent in the city of Corinth. The word of knowledge given to Paul, Paul, I've got a lot of people in the city, so no one's going to attack you. So 
the, the gift of discerning of spirits God uses to as a vehicle for us to be have an encounter with the gift of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge as well. So we said very often these gifts are all tied in. They, they, you know, it's very seldom you just get the one gift on its own. Um, and the gift of the discerning of spirits is no different. And so our Lord gives Paul clear guidance uh, through that particular um, dream that he had that, on that occasion. So I want to have a look at another uh, scripture that will just highlight to us the fact that dreams and visions are equated in Scripture. Acts chapter 12, verse 6 to 9. Scripture says, And when Herod was about to bring him out, talking about Peter, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, it's quite interesting here, because Herod arrested Peter, and Herod was obviously wanting to kill Peter. Um, but he, he arrested Peter during the, the part, uh, Feast of Passover, so he couldn't do it then. But look at what he does, is that he makes sure that two soldiers, on one on either side of Peter, are bound to Peter with a chain so in, in, the, in the jail. Um, and so when Peter goes to sleep, these two guys are right next to him, and they chain to him. And you've got the, the jail door, and the guards standing outside, and then you've got the, all the prison guards. There was quite a lot of them. Um, so why this such a, I mean, it's not as if this, the, the, the church was so um, violent that they were expecting that, you know, there was going to be a, an attack of the church on the jail to release Peter. That wasn't the case at all. Now, what had happened was that the, obviously the Jews had informed Herod on the issue because they had an encounter with this, an experience with this before. You recall that uh, they had arrested the 12 apostles once before. Um, because they wanted to do judge, well to bring them before the council the next day, and what happened was the angel of the Lord had gone and let them out of jail, and so uh, the Jews said to Herod, you know, you really got to keep this guy <laughs> tied up because otherwise, you know, he's going to get out. So that's what Herod tries to do. But I mean, how stupid can you get? Because when when God wants to do something, there's nothing way, no, no nothing can, that can stop him. Um, verse seven. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. The other the guards that were with Peter off, you know, sound asleep. They don't wake up. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put in your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Now, what did he actually think? He thought he was dreaming. Uh, because he was fast asleep. So again, the Holy Spirit's just showing those guys that uh, there are dreams from the Lord as well, and those dreams are equated to vision. It's the lowest form of vision, but nevertheless, it's a vision. Now, what about dreams that do require interpretation? Well, um, we have many of those kind of dreams under the Old Covenant. We see a lot. We see dreams that Joseph had. Think about um, he, you know, he was all the, the, the um, sheaths of corn, I think it was, were bowing down to his sheath of corn. And uh, there were all sorts of things. And then um, Daniel, when he has dreams from the Lord, I mean, some of those dreams are, are very, uh, it needed a lot of interpretation. There's guys still today who are trying to struggle to understand what Daniel actually dreamt. 
But nevertheless, so the, under the old covenant, there were a lot of dreams that required interpretation. But we don't see uh, any account of dreams under the new covenant that require interpretation at all. There's nothing like that. There are a number of visions recorded for us under the new covenant. And we've just gone through, we've shown from scripture that dreams and visions are the same thing. Um, and so we do see a number of visions, uh, we, sorry, we see a, a lot of visions recorded under the new covenant. And we see dreams as well, obviously. Um, but of all of the visions and dreams that we see under the new covenant, there are only two that require interpretation. And the one that obviously comes to mind, uh, which is the, the one that stands out there the most, is the book of Revelation. Uh, that particular vision requires a lot of interpretation. And again, still today, 2,000 years later, a lot of people are still trying to interpret that particular vision given by the Lord. So that one required interpretation. The other one that required interpretation was Peter, when he received his vision from the Lord um, in Acts chapter 10, uh, verse 10 through to 17, when the sheep gets let down from heaven um, three times. I'm not going to go through that particular uh, vision that the, uh, Peter had, but that did require interpretation because um, you know, Peter, it, it, it didn't make any sense to him when he got the vision from the Lord. He couldn't understand what the Lord was trying to tell him. Um, but what happened is on that occasion, very soon after he received the vision, in fact, a day afterwards, things began to unfold that explained that vision to him very clearly. And he understood, okay, God's telling me that the Gentiles are coming into the kingdom of God. And so, but those are the only two visions in the whole of the new covenant that are given to us as examples of visions requiring interpretations. No dreams requiring interpretation. Now, the reason that the only the two are uh, given to us, the Holy Spirit is just showing us that we're not going to have, there, there, there might be the occasional dream and vision that does require interpretation, um, but it's not going to be the norm. The norm is going to be simplistic dreams and simplistic visions that will be given to us that we can just so clearly understand what God is saying. If there is a dream or a vision given to the individual that does require interpretation, very soon after they have that dream or vision, uh, events will unfold that will explain what the dream and the vision uh, was all about. And so we just need to understand that um, under the new covenant, there's very few dreams and, and visions that will require interpretation. And again, as I said, the Lord has not put Joseph's into the church. And there's no such gift in the church called the interpretation of dreams or the interpretation of visions for that matter. And so this brings us now to um, the next category. So we've had a look at uh, in dreams. We saw and Paul had a couple of dreams and we saw Peter thought he was having a dream. What was actually happening with Peter was he was, uh, that was real. It wasn't uh, a dream he was having. So that brings us to the, the, the next one, which is spiritual visions. And spiritual visions, as we said, are on the same level as dreams. Now, why do I say that? Because in both instances, uh, when the vision is given to the individual, their physical eyes are shut. They see this vision with their spiritual eyes. God opens their spiritual eyes so they can see into the realm of the spirit. And... Um, Paul had an encounter of a, a spiritual vision with the Lord 
on the road to Damascus. Let's have a look at it. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 3 to 8. Scripture says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. They led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And so throughout this encounter, Paul's eyes were shut, physical eyes. So he sees our Lord with his spiritual eyes in this encounter because he does have a one-on-one encounter with the Lord Jesus. And so that Paul encountered a spiritual vision. So that's what a spiritual vision is. Similar to a dream in that both, in both instances, the physical eyes are shut and God opens the spiritual eyes and one can see into the realm of the spirit um, in that way. The next level of dream, uh, dream, um, next level of vision in this gift of discerning of spirits is the trance. We, we've mentioned that already. And so when we said when a person falls into a trance, their physical senses are suspended. And so they're unaware that they have a physical body anymore because they just are um, enveloped in the spirit realm. And uh, there's a couple of accounts in Scripture in New Testament about uh, trances. Acts 22, 17 and 18. Paul recounting, he says, Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance. And I saw him saying to me, talking about Jesus, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And so Paul was busy praying in the temple and he falls into a trance. So his physical senses become suspended and he now has an encounter with in the spirit realm. And that's what a, what a trance is all about. Paul, um, which Peter has a, a similar uh, uh, example, and that's in Acts 10, 10 and 11. He says, Then he became very hungry, talking about Peter, and wanted to eat. And while they made ready, he fell into a trance, and saw heaven opened, and an object like a great sheep bounded the four corners, descending to him, and let down to the earth. Now, I just want to go back to Paul's encounter. When you read uh, Paul's in, um, description of this encounter later in the book of Acts, you see that he actually has quite an extensive conversation with the Lord while he's in the trance. So God decides that so when a person falls into a trance, it can be a short duration or a, quite a lengthy duration, depending on the Lord as to what he wants to do with the individual at that time. Um, and we need to be aware of that. These visions are not always you know, short. Sometimes they can be quite lengthy and, and go on for quite a, quite a period of time. Um, and so there, Peter, he has this trance while he's on the roof. And we know about the, the sheets being let down from heaven. But it's interesting that in both instances where the New Testament refers to the individual falling into a trance, both of them were in a, in a time of prayer. Because as I said, you know, God doesn't quite do this way of giving the vision to an individual when they're driving on the highway and they fall into a trance because look, God, God can do that. God can make the individual continue to drive, but normally he doesn't. So yeah, 
it's just interesting to, that they were both praying at the time. And then we get to the highest form of vision, which is uh, commonly referred to as an open vision. Now, an open vision occurs when uh, the spirit realm comes into the physical world or the, in the individual physically goes into the spirit world, either or, whichever way it goes. Let's have a look at one of the accounts, Luke 24, verses 36 to 43. Scripture says, Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, such as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate in their presence. And so he has a, a, an open vision granted to the, to the disciples that, that night. Our Lord steps out of the spirit realm into the physical world and he stands in front of them. And he interacts with them and they touch him and they, you know, they, they look at his hands and he sits down and he eats with them, he talks with them. So it was as if he was, and he was, he was physically present with them. But he had just stepped out of the spirit realm into the physical realm. And when he finished conversing with them, he stepped back into the spirit realm, disappeared. And so that's how this particular vision actually does work. Um, and we had a look at the account earlier with Peter, where the angel came, came into the physical realm as well and you know, took Peter out of uh, jail. That was, that was an open vision, although Peter initially thought he was dreaming. Um, he, he eventually realized, okay, this is actually real. The angel is in fact doing what he's doing and I'm walking behind him and he's getting me out of, out of jail. And so that's how the, um, the open vision works. Now, people who um, do not have this gift, the gift of discerning of spirits, have also been granted from time to time by the Lord to see an open vision. And that has happened to them unknowingly. They've, they've not known that God has granted them an open vision, um, but they have, they've, they've had an encounter. You say, where do you get that? That's in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Scripture says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. And so and in the New Testament, we see that uh, there were accounts of the saints and they were encountering angels and conversing with them and thinking that they were strangers but in fact they were angels and Paul the writer of the, of the book of Hebrews says guys don't forget to entertain strangers because God does use this mechanism to allow the individual to interact with the spirit realm but they, the individual doesn't know that uh, they're having an encounter with the angel so in this life now you take that into the modern world because we look at angels, we think, okay, angels walk around with their white robes and you know, glistening, and uh, some, of them, some of them do have wings, obviously. But in these instances over here, where the saints had encountered angels unknowingly, those angels were dressed in just normal attire like anybody of the day was wearing, and you know, they had a, a, an encounter. Now the person, they didn't know, the saint didn't know they were having an encounter with the angel because the angel just looked so ordinary, like any person, that they nevertheless had had an encounter with an angel. So you bring that over into today's world, and that dictates to us 
that is caught. Uh, angels, when they appear to people, will wear t-shirt and jeans, not a robe. Now, they are the targets in a robe, but I'm talking about these instances. The angel will appear in t-shirt and jeans because uh, the individual, the saint, will not know that they're having an encounter with an angel. And so at this particular level, the open vision level, um, quite often the person who's having the vision um, doesn't know which way the, the vision's going. We're not, what do I mean by that? Well, we said that it, an open vision can be that the spirit world comes into the individuals, into the physical world, and the person interacts, or it can be that the person physically is taken by the Lord into the spirit realm. Um, and they don't know that that's what's happened. And Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2 and 2, 4. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, whether out of the body I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. And so Paul was caught up in these uh, visions. But he says, I don't know how it happened. I don't know if I was in my body or if God took me out of my body. Now, the reason Paul can say that is because when he has these visions, because they were on two separate occasions, when he has these visions, um, he's on his own. Because if he wasn't on his own, and God, uh, he could have then, when he, after the vision, just spoken to everybody around him, did I go? Was I still here? Was my body still here? And they would say, yeah, Paul, your body's here. Uh, then he would have known. God took me out of my body. But he said, I didn't know. I didn't know when, after I had the vision, I don't know if God took me out physically or if he took me out of my body. Um, and so we, we know that Paul definitely was on his own when God gave him these two particular uh, visions. And so the, the, the point is, is that you know, sometimes the visions are that powerful that the individual actually hasn't, they can't tell you how God actually did it, he just did it. Now also one of the aspects of this gift, is, because the gift is called discerning of spirits, um, it's seen into the spirit realm. So it's not always going to be seen just one class of spirits, because this gift looks at the spirit realm. Now in the spirit realm, they are both different, uh, not classes, but two, two different kingdoms. There's the kingdom of light and the angels of God and Jesus. And then there's the kingdom of darkness, Satan and his angels. And so one who has this particular gift will be used of the Lord to see into the, the spirit realm and have encounters on both sides. It's not only going to be always God's angels that they will see. There's also going to be in instances where God will allow them to see and encounter the demonic spirits that are out there. And so let's have a look at a, 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 an encounter that our Lord had, Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 1 uh, through to 13. The scripture says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus, this is the man with the unclean spirit from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, That's Jesus, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, that's the still Jesus speaking, What is your name? And he answered, so then the demon speaking back saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. 
Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of uh, swine was feeding there near the mountains. Um, and so, all the, verse 12, so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And so here's our Lord having an encounter with a demonic spirit who has possessed an individual. Now when the, the demon possesses an individual, the demon is able to use all of that in, individual's faculties. So what happened here is our Lord had come to this location, and obviously he was led by the Spirit because God wanted to deal with this particular demon. Um, and the demon now recognizes the Lord. The demon uses the guy's voice to speak to Jesus. So everybody around Jesus is hearing the conversation taking place. They hear what Jesus says, and they hear what the guy said. Now, it's not the guy speaking, it's the demon speaking using the man's voice. So everybody's listening in on that conversation. But then something else happens, um, and that is in verse 12. The scripture says, So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. Now, in that instance... No one else hears that. Now our Lord operates in the gift of discerning of spirits. God allows Jesus to hear what the demons are saying, all of them, all 2,000, well, you know, there were 2,000 uh, pigs that they went into. We don't know how many demons, but at least 2,000 demons inside this guy. He had a lot of demons. And so all of them are, are speaking to the, our Lord at that time. So it's not the, 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 the guy, the demon who has possession of the man's voice who's now speaking. Now Jesus is hearing with his spiritual ears. God allows him to hear in the realm of the spirit and the demons are speaking to Jesus. Um, all 2,000 of them. The others around Jesus at that time, they don't hear that. Jesus does. Because that is now the gift of discerning of spirits. Because God it's seen into the realm and also hearing in the realm of the spirits. You will recall that on more than one occasion, God does speak audibly to um, people. And so in this case, all of the demons had spoken to our Lord Jesus. Um, and so that is basically how that side, and again, think about this other passage of Scripture. Let's have a look at it. Acts 19, verse 13 to 15. Scripture says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also there were seven sons of Sceva, Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Now, a couple of things, are, just a bit of an aside here, it's quite interesting. There were, um, in Judaism at the time, I don't know if they still have it today, maybe they do. I know the Roman Catholic Church does this. They have a, a, a specific department that they do exorcising. They, you know, they go out and they cast out demons. And so under Judaism at that time, they were doing the same thing. And they called them itinerant Jewish exorcists. So they would go around to, you know, have you guys got anybody demon-possessed? Yeah, well, Solly, he's demon-possessed. So they go visit Solly and they cast the demon out of Solly. Now, what they had learned was that the name of Jesus actually worked. Um, and so they'd started to use the name of Jesus. And they were getting results. 
But on this particular instance, these seven sons of Sceva also used the name of Jesus. Now, they're unbelievers. They're not in the kingdom of God. But they'd learned they could use the name of Jesus. And you recall John said to the Lord when our Lord was on the earth, Lord, we saw guys casting out demons using your name. And we told them they're not to use your name because they're not followers of us. And our Lord said, no, 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 let them carry on. And that's the paraphrase of what our Lord said. Because our Lord understood that his name is above every name. And anybody can really take the name of Jesus and uh, use that authority that's in that name. But getting back to this instance here. So what happens is that the, the demon, that guy was demon possessed. So the demon speaks to them using the man's voice. And they have an encounter with the demon. And the demon says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And so that is um, pretty much seen into the realm of the spirits. Now they, they weren't operating with the gift of discerning of spirits, uh, the seven sons of Sceva, because the guy, the demon, used the guy's voice so they could hear in the physical realm what the demon was saying. But in our Lord's encounter, he, every, everybody could hear what the guy was saying when he, the demon used the physical voice of that person. But in the spirit realm, Jesus is the only one who heard all 2,000 demons begging him not to allow him to go into the swine. And that's pretty much, um, oh, and there is obviously the other encounter. Our Lord, remember when he was in the wilderness um, and he was tempted by the devil? Well, that was now our Lord saw Satan. Satan appeared to him. That was the gift of discerning of spirits. And our Lord was having an encounter with the demonic uh, spirit, which was Satan himself. And so the, the, what I'm, the point I'm going to bring across here is this gift is not lim limited to only seeing uh, God's uh, kingdom in the spirit realm. It's also God allows the individual to see the whole uh, spectrum. And so I just want to finish off... Um, with my own, because again, with, with the gifts, I'd like to try and give an example of, of the gift operating through my ministry, just so that you can relate it a lot easier. Um, the Lord had called me to, to ministry, and I got into it, and then I got out of it, and I went into the, the, the business world, and I became further and further away, from, I drifted further and further away from the Lord, and I became very backslidden. Um, and then the Lord dealt with me, and um, I repented, and uh, he brought me back into fellowship with him, and once again restored me to now start preparing to get back into the ministry. When that happened, um, I started having, and it was the, I started having demonic encounters. Now, prior to that, when, when I was in a backslidden state, never experienced anything like that. I experienced a lot of judgment and weird stuff taking place in my life, but none of that, none of the spiritual stuff. When I made the commitment to come back into the kingdom, uh, when I come back into the kingdom, but coming back into fellowship with the Lord and recommit to the ministry, then this started happening in my life. I started having demonic uh, encounters, and it would always happened at night when I would sleep. And so what would happen, and this would happen at least once, quite most of the times twice a week. I would be woken up in the middle of the night with a demonic attack. And the, 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 it, it was always obviously dark. And the demon would either be uh, on top of me or standing next to me. It was a, uh, quite a small demon. Difficult to explain. I just know the size. But yeah, there was strong oppression. Um, you know, and I would struggle, but I would you know, rebuke the demon in the name of Jesus. And then the demon would leave and I would I'd fall back to sleep. But now that happened 
for a period of 14 months from the time that I recommitted to go back into ministry until the last encounter. Now, it, 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 initially it happened more and more and very frequently, as I say, at least um, twice a week. But then as time went by, it happened less and less frequently. The last encounter I had that was different. Um, and the, uh, what happened, I was again woken up demonic oppression, but this time it wasn't that same demon in, on top of me or standing next to me. Now what happened, uh, the demon was, it was a different demon um, sitting in the chair opposite in, in the bedroom looking at me. Now this one was different because this one had the shape of a man, looked like a man. Um, wearing a cloak and I saw the eyes of the, of, of the individual and they were um, like snake eyes and they were red and the demon was just looking at me and again I rebuked that demon in the name of Jesus and he continued to look at me for a little while and then just disappeared and that was the end of it I never had another encounter after that well, since that time I've slept and there's been a couple of quite a few years now um, peacefully without any problems but it, it, it took 14 months from the time that I recommitted to get into the ministry until I don't know why it took 14 months. You tell me, I don't know. The Lord knows why. But those were the encounters that I, I had during that time. After that time, God then started to give me dreams. And I had quite a few dreams. Um, and they were very vivid dreams. And, uh, you know, God dealt with me on a number of issues in the dreams that He gave me. And I will relate one of those dreams that uh, the Lord gave me. What happened was, um, in my dream, I went down into Hades, and I, I went down, down, down into darkness, and into black. It was pitch, pitch, pitch black. Now, I just know I was going into Hades. Um, and as the, the closer I got down there, I sensed demonic um, uh, presence down there. And I wasn't fearful. But I, I, I sensed a, like, a, like a righteous anger welling up within me. I became more and more angry as I went and I, I got closer to whatever demonic presence was down there. Anyway, I came down to the bottom and I stood there. And while I was standing there, I saw people coming down. Now, it was like a, there was an invisible barrier between myself and the people. Um, so I was standing on the one side. It was completely black all around. The only thing I could see were these people coming down. And they just kept coming down and turning away and, and walking off. And so what happened was I got drawn closer. Now, as I got drawn closer, because I didn't walk, I was just drawn closer to this like invisible barrier between myself and these people that are coming down. I, I remember making the comment, oh, now I can start seeing people more clearly. And I was speaking to somebody who was with me. I do not know who that person was. I, I sensed that this person was the guide for me during this encounter. And so I'm standing there and I'm, I'm watching these people coming down and they come to this point and then they turn and they walk off into the, into the blackness. And right in front of me, an ex-work colleague of mine, comes down and he stands right in front of me, face to face. I'm right, I'm right in front of him. But as I say, it's like this invisible barrier. And he makes this, to me at the time, seemed like a very strange comment. He says, well, I'm finally here. And 
Now, I know he's in Hades, and so I scream at him, you know, and I, I call his name. Um, you're in the wrong place. Um, and he doesn't hear me. He doesn't hear anything I say. And, uh, you know, I scream in, even louder, you know, you, you're in the wrong, I'm trying to tell him that he's in the wrong place. He turns around and he walks off into the dark, just like the others have done. And that's where the, the, the dream ended. And so the Lord gave me that dream to show me, because now when, when I woke up, I obviously realized what the Lord was saying. That person I had known for a number of years, and who, he was a very ungodly person. Um, he, he, was no, he, you know, he was an unbeliever, obviously. And the Lord had on a couple of occasions, more than once, impressed upon me to testify to him. And I never did. Because don't forget, at this time I was in a backslidden state. So I was not really walking with the Lord. But even then in that backslidden state, the Lord had impressed upon me to witness to him. And I never did. And I recall... Obviously, when I woke up and I was thinking about the dream, I recall that this particular person used to say on numerous occasions, when I die, I'm going to go to hell. And quite proud about it. And But that's how the world is. I mean, he didn't understand what he was saying. He's an unbeliever. So, you know, that jokingly said, well, when I die, I'm going to go to hell. And so that kind of just tied in with what the Lord showed me when he said, well, I'm finally here. Because as I said, I didn't quite understand why he said that when I was when I saw him. But I understood it when I, I, I was thinking about the dream. And so the Lord quite clearly gave that dream to me to show me, Mike, you actually missed it. I've asked you to witness and you didn't. And so I had to repent and I did repent. And I prayed for the individual, you know, and I, I got peace that the Lord would, I heard my prayer that, you know, somebody else, the Lord would raise somebody else up to minister to that individual. But the Lord showed me that dream very clearly to show me what the result is when we are disobedient to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so I really repented before the Lord and, uh, you know, not do that ever again. And so, you know, the Lord is just showing us, and you know, we know this, that wherever we go as, as Christian, people must know that we are Christians and must then be able to witness our lives and we should be able, uh, open to the Holy Spirit. Lord, who do you want me to share my witness uh, with, my testimony? Uh, and allow um, God to work in those situations so we can share our testimony. And if he impresses upon us to pray for an unbeliever or to witness to an unbeliever, that we must be obedient. We cannot ignore that. Because as I say, the Lord showed me this uh, very clearly. I mean, it, it, I, I was shocked when I saw that individual there. Because I knew where, where he was going. I knew that he was now destined for eternal punishment and uh, yeah I actually had quite a good rapport with the person we, we got on very well but I never witnessed to him about Jesus and I really I messed up horribly on that issue so yeah that was a very vivid dream uh, and a very plain one you know there was no interpretation and no things that I had to try and get a book to find out what God was saying you know I just knew exactly what was going on and God dealt with me very powerfully in that issue and um, we need to be um, sensitive to the Lord. But anyway, so that's one of the dreams the Lord gave me. I, got, I received numerous dreams from the Lord over a period of time, and then the dreams dropped off for a while again. So, but that's the gift of discerning spirits. And this is at the lowest level, but nevertheless, it's still discerning spirits. And we're going to end the teaching on that point. Amen.